Are you a business owner or entrepreneur who's had great success in the business world? And now you want to launch a speaking career to share your message with the world. If that's you, then listen up. 25-year speaking industry veteran Brett Ridgway has released his latest special report, Three Key Things Entrepreneurs Must Master to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. To pick up your copy, go to brettridgeway.com forward slash freebie. Welcome to the Spotlight on Speaking Show with Brett Ridgway, where you'll learn the keys to building a profitable speaking business from speaking industry pros. Each week, we interview a great guest who will share his or her speaking journey, identify what their keys to success have been, and highlight some critical mistakes they've made along the way that you'll want to avoid. Be sure to visit our website at spotlightonspeaking.com. And while you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now, sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet this week's guest. Hello again, everyone. I am Brett Ridgway, and I want to welcome you to another episode of the Spotlight on Speaking show. And I'm super excited to reconnect with a, an old friend of mine from events years ago. We crossed paths many times at Mike Candy's events out in San Diego. And I've always appreciated the expertise that he brought to those events. And so I'm excited to bring him on today's show to share some of that expertise with you. But my guest today is T.R. Garland, and T.R. came out of the world of corporate America where he was closing up to $40 million deals with companies such as Honda, Netflix, Jenny Craig, E-Trade, and even Walmart. Today, he's focused on helping coaches, consultants, and course creators sell their services on social media without ruining their reputation and by using nothing but their free social media profiles. His clients go from averaging two to five comments on their own social media posts to upwards of 100 plus comments within the first three weeks of working with him. He's a number one best-selling author and a Wall Street Journal Award winner and is considered one of the world's leading mission-driven mentors for purpose-driven professionals. His company is called Changemakers Worldwide, which makes a concrete commitment to their clients to show them the step-by-step -step strategies to build their own purpose-driven platform or professional practice that is, number one, guided by purpose, number two, powered by passion, and number three, produces predictable profits. So welcome T.R. Garland to the Spotlight on Speaking show. Well, thank you so much, Brett. I greatly appreciate that introduction. And the reality is that's a long introduction. And I'm I'm very, very uh, blessed that you would commit the time to sharing with your community a little bit about my background. And I want to let them know right now, let's put the back room aside, uh, the background aside. You know, let's just have a real conversation, you and I, Brett, and you can be a surrogate for your community and tap into this brain for the knowledge and the nuggets that I'm about to drop during this interview. All right, well, let's start tapping, TR. So All right. The, the first question I typically ask my guest is to share a little bit about their speaking journal so our audience understands where they're coming from. So I like to say there are three types of speakers primarily. Keynote speakers who are paid the fee to deliver a, a talk to a corporation or an association. You have what we call your platform sellers who are you know delivering content but then selling a, a high ticket item typically from state. And then the third one that I classify differently is the business owner who's just using speaking as a tool, marketing tool to make people aware of their core business, but they're not necessarily selling directly from the platform. So first question for you is, is which of those three arenas have you played in? 
do you want like one better than the other? And when did you first actually get started in what we would call the speaking industry? Great question. And what I want to do is provide a disclaimer to you, Brett, and to your <laughs> audience. And that disclaimer is that when I took a peek at these prep questions, um, you know, to make sure that I was prepared to add value during this conversation, I looked at them and I said, OMG, these are loaded questions. I'm like, how much time does Brett have for me to share my experience so that other people can have shortcuts to their success? So I just want to provide the disclaimer that any of the questions that you're going to ask me today, um, I'm excited. Um, I'm going to attempt to be as informative as possible and um, share specific situations that I've experienced in speaking so that other people can learn from it. And I'm going to ask you to be a guide and, and put up the guardrails and make sure that I stay on track. Okay, so so I wanted to provide that disclaimer up front and I have no prepared way that I want to answer that question other than the first thing that came to my mind was when I was younger in college, um, I remember being in a class and the class was geared towards business and the teacher asked us to raise our hands if we believed that we were going to be in sales when we graduated, if we were going to use sales or um, become a salesman or a saleswoman or use sales in our day-to-day -day job. And I was one of the only, if not the only person that raised their hand because I wanted to follow in my father's footsteps. And he was a salesman. He was a sales manager in the Midwest because I grew up in, in the Chicagoland area. And um, I immediately got into sales and I was very, very, very successful in sales in my 20s. By the time I was uh, 23, I was ranked number three out of a nationwide sales force. By the time I was 27, I was ranked number nine out of an international sales force. And here's why I'm telling the story. Because by the time I was 30, I was burnt out working for the man. Because I felt like I was surrounded by people that didn't share the same values and virtues. Although I was using my communication skills, right, my uh, conversation skills in the form of speaking to uh, make sales and find success, I felt incongruent by the time I was 30 years old. And I made a transition into real estate. And at the my girlfriend at the time, wife now, uh, said, well, why don't you just become a salesperson? You can talk and you can communicate. And I said, I hate salespeople right now. I, I, I don't know why. I'm like, I might come back to tapping into that skill. However, I just want to like go and, 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 and uh, use my brain to do other things. So instead of being a real estate agent, using my sales skills, using my speaking skills, using my communication skills, I actually started a real estate appraisal firm and uh, got to use my brain and analyze market trends. So the reason why I'm telling this story is because after a period of time uh, in the real estate field, um, I felt like I was incongruent with what was going on because the market crash was just happening, you know, in the 2006, seven and eight period. And I chose to step into the personal and professional development industry. 
You know, you said, do you call this the speaker, author, coach industry or what have you? You know, it could be called many different things, you know, online marketing and uh, information marketing kind of merged into this niche that you and I are in and that your audience is in or looking to get into. And so the reason why I'm answering this question right now is where's my journey been? You know, I want to like, instead of just saying speaking, let's go one level higher and talk about it, you know, as communicating, you know, because people need to communicate in their roles and responsibilities of their job or of their journey in entrepreneurship. And so I myself naturally am a trainer. I, my default speaking persona is a trainer. I have, um, to the best of my knowledge, I have not sought out being a paid speaker, right? You know, being a keynote speaker. Um, I have uh, been very, very successful actually paying for a speaker slot mm -hmm. at people's events as a sponsor. And the reality is since 2008, I have been in this industry, in this role, and I began using online tools to help me build my business. And I became really, really good at um, teaching other people how to utilize this online approach to building their business. So when COVID hit and everybody was scrambling to, you know, the Zoom train, uh, you know, hey, get on the Zoom train or you're going to get left behind. Luckily, I was already conducting online speaking engagements, interviews, uh, webinars, masterclasses, and the sort. So, so my um, simple and short answer, <laughs> you know, to that question is, I'm told that I'm super skilled at speaking from all platforms, both offline and online. So, what have you? When you think about your your last ten years, where you've got into the personal development space and all that. What do you think maybe your three biggest keys to success? And I, I can clearly see the authentic, authenticity is one of them. You can just see that by talking to you. But, you know, what, what do you put as your number one, two, and three keys to being successful as a speaker? That's a loaded question again, Brett. And no. I'm going to attempt to There, there, there are like no softballs jump... here, man. There's no softballs exactly. here. Exactly. <laughs> um, I'm going to attempt to to answer it in a, different ways so that different people can get different ideas. So the first thing that came to my mind when you shared when you asked that question, which is, you know, what have you learned? Right. This is the, the, what what have I learned along the way? Yep. It is. I'm I'm actually going to point my finger right here. And I'm going to point my finger right here because these right here, I want everybody um, to. Um, picture in their mind, the comedian Gallagher, right? Brett, you and I are old enough and many people in your audience may be old enough to remember the comedian Gallagher, right? Bald head, ball cap, long hair, and he would use props on stage to set himself apart from the sea of sameness of all the other comedians out there. Right. He's world renowned for smashing uh, watermelons. Mm -hmm. However, at the core of his um, show, right, his gig is props. So one of the lessons that I've learned along the way 
is that although I may be a particular personality style, um, I may have a particular learning style. One thing that I learned um, actually the hard way was that I needed to identify, I needed to acknowledge that the audience does not uh, learn in the same style that I learn into, learn in. And so some people are visual, some people are auditory, some people are kinesthetic, right? I, this is not a masterclass in that. I want to answer the question by saying I learned long ago that just because it makes sense to me in the way that I am explaining something in an effort to give value to the audience doesn't mean that it makes sense to them. So, so, so lesson number one is your audience may have different learning styles and it's in your best interest mm -hmm. to uh, adapt to as many different learning styles during your signature speech or your, or your talk so that you can cast a wide net so they understand, so they grasp, so that when they consume your content, they can actually contemplate about it, right? They can say, oh, okay, this makes sense. So that's why in my background here, right, I've got, you know, right here, I've got a Bob Ross bobblehead, right? I've got the books of many of my clients right here. And then this right here, these props uh, that I use is um, I help people get more calls on their calendar using organic marketing methods, Brett. You know that. And I just wanted to set the stage for this next statement that I'm going to say, which is ask questions. In addition to using props, ask questions. Because I can say, which would be better for you to help you build your business? Would you rather have five eyeballs on your personal profile posts on Facebook? Or would you rather have 55 eyeballs? Which is best? Five eyeballs or 55 eyeballs, oh, right? Gosh, let me think about that a little let bit. Let me think about that, right? It's so simple, yet it's allowing the thinkers to, to get into the conversation because you're asking them a question and the visual people because you're showing something. So one lesson that I've learned along the way is I learn a particular way. I prefer a different way. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Like for me, I don't matter. When I step on someone else's stage, my number one priority is to make the host of that stage look good. So that's my number one priority. And my number two priority is to be as truthful and transparent, as open and authentic as possible with the audience so that they connect with me. Not just, oh, okay, but truly connect with me and feel like they know me, feel like they can trust me. And then the third responsibility I have is to um, make sure that I always end a conversation with a call to action. It doesn't need to be a sales call to action. It could be if the way that I explain my approach to business resonated with you, then I strongly suggest that you just go to Google, type in TR Garland, find my LinkedIn profile and request to connect with me there. I'd love to utilize this conversation as a stepping stone to many future conversations. Well, those are all such great points. I, I got to say that obviously bobbleheads are a thing because I have my Donald Duck. Oh, yeah. And my Dan Kennedy bobblehead going back here. So oh, Dan Kennedy. Wonderful. <laughs> How about that? So trainer timeout for those in your audience. Just look at that. Brett 
actually edified TR's tip of bobbleheads, right? I just pointed to my bobblehead and I moved on. And you were able to reinforce and draw people in and make this a conversation, right, Brett? Because that's all it is. I'm approaching it as you are a surrogate for your audience. And as many questions you ask me, and as long as I stay on point, I may tell some stories. However, as long as I stay on point and add value, because um, I believe that the role of a speaker is is to inspire mm -hmm. and instruct yeah. to inspire and instruct really and so hopefully we we uh interweave between uh those two yeah i, I actually want to loop around a, a comment you made earlier and it wasn't a planned part of our conversation whatsoever but you talked about you had great success basically doing sponsorships to get speaking activity and that may yes. be something that a lot of speakers aren't really aware of exists out there so explain a little bit about how that works and how a speaker can leverage those type of things to get in front of more people. Sure, sure. It's about perspective. And I think that's a great question. It's really about perspective. It's, you know, um, what marketing methods do you have available to you that serve and support your personality style? or your profession best and attempt uh, to make those work for you no matter what everybody else is saying. And what I mean by that is oftentimes people that pay for sponsorships, they uh, really are treating the people in the audience as transactions. And the audience can feel that. This is why multi-speaker events over the last 10 to 15 years off and on have had bad reputations here and there because the audience knew that someone paid for a speaking spot upwards of 10, 20. Some speaking spots are, are $30,000. And so they have a limited amount of time to turn the people in the audience into a transaction so they can get a return on their investment in money. And so I'm setting the stage for my approach so that I can fulfill you know, your, your, the, uh, your question. So I can uh, answer your question appropriately, Brad. Uh, Brad. So I pay for speaking engagements I apply much of what I just taught you and your audience about using props, being truthful, transparent, being authentic, and I am default trainer mode. So no matter whether I have three minutes, 10 minutes, or 50 minutes, my goal is to always give them a practical and tactical advice during that time period. And then I do not close. I. I'm not going to say I've never because I've tried it. However, my preference is not selling from stage. Everybody else invests in a paid speaker sponsorship. They want to sell from stage. And I allow them to sell from stage. And some of them are good and they're congruent. And some of them are good and they're incongruent. Yeah. My point is um, I, at one period of time, was able to master 10 to 15 minutes of paid speaker sponsorship on people's stages. I approached it from a very, very um, amusing and comical way. 
And meaning I added personality into my presentation. I um, taught three specific things during my presentation. And then I would go to a typical close, which is um, here's my program, $997. This, this, this is what you, what you get. And then um, I, I, I would say, however, um, Brett, being the host of this event, wanted to add as much value to you as possible. And he pulled me aside prior to me coming up on stage and asked if I would do something uh, to leave a lasting impression with each and every one of you before lunch break. And he asked me to give it to you for free. Should I do that? So I get people all excited, you know, that they were thinking that they were getting sold into something. Yeah. My step number one of my um, options to work with me and I would waive their fee to participate with me for like a five day challenge or a 10 day fast start, something limited. Mm -hmm. And they, the endorphins would kick because they're like, okay, I thought I was going to get sold, but TR's different. He didn't sell me. He tricked me and he waived my $997 enrollment fee into an experience with him. And so um, here's where it gets really, really interesting. Um, we mastered that and we were generating $50,000 to $75,000 per month with just that business model. So have you been able to transfer that over to the virtual world successfully, TR? Uh Yes, because the virtual world was always included to, in that. So I would paid speaker sponsorships in person. I would waive their fees to what I use to my step number one solution that I used to charge for so that they would um, so that I get um, more names, right? More names and more emails from the audience upwards of 90, 95 percent of the audience I would close in person then we would have a high touch um, approach to our funnel to get them to show up. Then um, I would host these webinars and I would have a greater than 90% stick rate on these webinars because of my approach, right? My authenticity and my approach. And because I would engage with them on the actual webinar themselves. And so um, I wanted to answer the question saying, yes, or the original business model that, you know, I'm talking about had both in-person and uh, um, offline and online speaking involved. And to fully answer your question, yes, I have done virtual sponsorships in which I've been on Zoom. I've spoken. I've followed a similar model and found similar success. All right, great. All right. Well, that's a super strategy and something I haven't heard people really talk about before. So Got a few other questions I do want to ask you, TR, but before we do, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Are you a business owner or entrepreneur who's had great success in the business world, and now you want to launch a speaking career to share your message with the world? If that's you, then listen up. 25-year speaking industry veteran Brett Ridgway has released his latest special report, Three Key Things Entrepreneurs Must Master to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. To pick up your copy, go to breadridgeway.com forward slash freebie. And we are back with the Spotlight on Speaking show. And this week's guest is T.R. Garland. And, and T.R., you know, one of my favorite questions to ask my guests, honestly, is, okay, buddy, bury your soul a little bit. 
and tell me a couple mistakes that you made along the way, maybe yourself, or you've seen another speaker make that just led you, you know, sitting there shaking your head about, you know, why would they do something like that? So that hopefully aspiring speakers will learn not to make those same kind of mistakes. So Brett, I actually had hoped that you asked that question first and the <laughs> because it, it, it opens up such a can of worms. Um, my colleagues and myself who have been in, you know, the speaker, author, coaching industry for 5, 10, 15 years like myself, um, we've often brought up this idea that we could host a mastermind that would last 7, 10, 14 days long of just bringing the industry veterans together and having breakfast, lunch, and dinner together and telling war stories, you know, funny stories and success stories. Mm -hmm. So thank you for not forgetting to ask me this question. <laughs> I want to answer this question by painting a picture in everybody's mind. Do you recognize the name Leslie Nielsen? Sure. Police stories. Police Academy and the Naked Gun, right? Yeah, and I gun. think yep, he was yep. also in Airplane. Yep. So so now that we have this visual of Leslie Nielsen, who was an American actor um, in the late 80s, uh, 1990s, and um, with white hair and uh, a little goofy, a little goofy in his movies, Police Academy, Airplane, and, and, and Naked, uh, Naked Gun. So now that you've got that picture in your mind, I want to share with you, I got an invitation to speak from someone's stage. And this invitation was from um, an, uh, an OG, an, in, an original you know, industry veteran in the information marketing space. He had a great brand built up. Um, he and I were not that close at the time. We are now. And I prepared... Um, my presentation, I was ready to wow him and his team and the audience. And I get mic'd up in the back of the room. And there was plenty of time because he was running a little bit over into my time when I was supposed to start. So I excused myself from the main conference room and walked to the restroom. And the audio visual department did not remember to turn off the microphone. <laughs> so I just want to let everybody know that when I walked back into that room, got a standing ovation, right? <laughs> he stopped what he was saying, pointed back to me and said, wow, TR, you really know how to make an entrance. <laughs> and so I had so much emotions and preparation built up because I wanted to impress him and I wanted to impress his audience that I could have gone one of two ways, right? I could have let that crush me, you know, imposter syndrome. Oh my gosh, what are they thinking? I could have in a split second, I chose to not give a fuck. I, I really did. I chose to be like, all right, whatever. I'm human. You are too. Let's laugh about it. And then he shortly ended. I went up on stage and um, I used that extra attention given to me and the way that I didn't let it startle me. I used that as inspiration to deliver a very powerful presentation. And um, uh, the rest is history. So this is one of those stories where you could say shit happened in more ways than one, huh? 
It, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> All right, how about another mistake, man? Uh, that, that, that was a good one. That may be hard to top. You got, you got. All another, right, maybe yep. somebody else make or yourself. Sure, absolutely. So, um, a mistake that I made was I attempted to be someone that I was not. And what I mean by that is I got a little jealous. I got a little jealous of my um, community, excuse me, my colleagues, because I was hearing stories about them selling from stage, whether it be on offline or online, more specifically webinars. I bought into the hype and hope that all I needed was a webinar to invite people to. And in 60 to 90 minutes, if you structure that webinar appropriately, um, you will get sale after sale after sale. So I'm not classically trained in NLP or neuro-linguistic programming. However, some of my friends um, are, and I've attended their events. Uh, I, I, I'm not super versed in it. However, I'm aware of it. And I made a conscious effort to not become versed in it because I didn't want to um, be placed into this category of persuading people to purchase. Yeah. And so my story rests with, I busted my butt, paid money, understood the steps by, by minute number nine, you should be doing this by minute number 11, by minute number 17 of your webinar, you should address this, right? There was literally a roadmap of NLP, how to sell people. And so I invested the time to create that presentation using that framework. And I delivered it probably over a two ish, maybe three month period, multiple times. And it broke my heart when I'm 30 minutes into my webinar and in the chat, sometimes privately, sometimes publicly, and it would say, dude, where's the content? Dude, you're wasting my time. Be because a lot of the NLP, at least five to 10 years ago, webinar frameworks were to tease and not give value upfront. And that rattled me to my core. Brett, it bothered me. It really, really bothered me, even though um, I, I think I had to mute the guy. And I think that I even, you know, uh, asked him to leave because he was being rude. Um, however, it was, you know, going against one of my principles, yeah. which is serve and support the audience. And so my lesson, the, the mistake that I made was trying to be someone that I'm not. Um, uh, the mistake that I made was really looking at a webinar as a function to get someone to pull out their credit card and purchase by the time they, um, leave that webinar. And what I was able to do, and it took me nine months, it took me nine months to master. I was able to use and incorporate some of those things in that framework. And I was able to create something that I felt comfortable and that I felt proud delivering. Mm -hmm. And that's why I still to this day can boast of a greater than 90% stick rate on 60 to 90 to 120 minute masterclasses and webinars. Well, that's outstanding. Yeah. I mean, you definitely have to be true to yourself in this industry and, and recognize who you are. We've all seen the speaker who, I mean, I sit in the back of the room at a, at a crowded event and 
say, you know, where the hell is the content? And maybe they even sell great. I mean, I've seen speakers, I won't name names, but, you know, they did a fantastic close, sold a lot of people, but then they had a 60 to 70% refund rate because after that initial euphoria wore off, people realized, well, there really wasn't any meat here now that I think about it. So, you know, I'm gone or whatever. So, sure. I mean, yeah, we've all seen it. So may, may I add another TR's tip? Yes, you may, certainly. So, so you just triggered an idea in my mind and a point that I wanted to make, which was I would kindly ask your audience, Brett, to adopt my perspective on platforms in general. And what I mean by that is look at things through a slightly different lens from now on. And more specifically, when you have an opportunity to speak from stage, whether it be online or offline, I'm going to encourage you to attempt to amass an army of advocates from your time on stage instead of treating people like a transaction and attempting to sell them something. Here's what I mean. Every single platform that you stand upon is an opportunity for you to be you. It is. And people are going to resonate with and react to the real you when they can sense it and feel it. And so look at everyone in the audience through a different lens after today, after TR's tactic that I'm teaching you right now, TR's tip, and that is categorize all those connections that you see in the audience, categorize them into one of three categories. Number one, are they a person that you can add to your professional network that you can turn into a prospect and ultimately turn into a paying client? So that's category number one. Mm -hmm. Category number two, are they a person that you can add to your professional network that you can turn into a partner, a promo, promo partner, um, or a joint venture partner? And number three, are they a person that you can add to your professional network that you could turn into someone that um, has a platform like a podcast or a Facebook Live that in time, if they learn enough about you, or honestly, on the spot, if they're impressed with the way you handled yourself from that stage, that they would invite you onto their platform. So prospects, partners, and people with platforms such as podcasts. If you adopt this approach that I'm encouraging you to adopt, because I've impacted the lives of millions of people and I've made millions of dollars along the way. And if that's something that you seek, it certainly wouldn't hurt for you to consider adopting um, my approach, right? Makes sense. It so makes, makes great sense, TR. And but I think it's very important to remember as a speaker that you need to approach any of those categories from a "what can I do for them" standpoint first, and be of service in your mind. And then, if you are truly of service, as TR talks about from the stage, delivering value, delivering content then it will resonate with certain people and they will seek you out for what other things you may have to offer. So always approach it from a what can I do for them viewpoint first, and then the reciprocation will come over time. So, agree? Disagree? I, I, absolutely. Again, <laughs> there, there's so many different 
directions that we can go if we chose to dig deeper. We're not going to. However, yes, thank you for building an additional point from a slightly different perspective about the perspective that I really want you know your audience to hear, which is don't just treat them like transactions. Don't go, you know, even, even when you're paying for a platform, right? When you're a speaker sponsor, if you approach it from, I'm going to wow the crowd, then I'm going to filter the crowd into prospects, uh, prospective partners, and prospective platforms. I promise you, you will get a return on your time investment and financial investment, no matter how much you paid to be on that stage. Think about it, Brett. Like I could turn 10 minutes on stage into $100,000 within 100 days, no matter what. I do it all the time. And it's not from just selling people stuff from stage. It's from showing up as the highest and best version of myself, going with the um, intention of my uh, number one responsibility is to make the host look good, right? The host of the event. My second responsibility is to add as much value to the audience as possible. And my third responsibility is to give them a reason to connect with me afterwards. And it doesn't need to be just purchasing my product or my program. That's a prospect. And those people will self-select themselves. However, when you approach it to, hey, if I do a good enough job, is there someone that I can compel into action to walk up to me at the end of my time on stage and say, hey, I tell you what, your product or your program, it's not for me. However, my community would eat it up. Would you be willing to speak from my stage? It's happened to me and I want it happening for you too. And likewise, the same thing with the third category, which is platforms, people with platforms. I have had people multiple times come up to me afterwards saying, I may be a prospect. I'm going to participate in your uh, in stage one solution, TR, and um, I'd like to interview you for my Facebook group that has 20,000 people. Cool. Well, I mean... Yeah, such, such great advice, TR, and I am so appreciative of the opportunity to reconnect with you today and get you on to the show because there's pearls of wisdom here, and, you know, I've, I've been doing several dozen of these interviews, and there's a few that I say, hey, you know, guys, this is a, a note-taker one, you know, jot these down, listen to it again, because there's so many nuggets here that you definitely need to apply to your speaking business, but we're, we're coming to the end of our time together, TR, and I would like to give you an opportunity, if you would, please, to share with people, how they can get into your world if they so choose to? The easiest way for me to answer that question, Brett, is if someone in your audience resonated with something that I said during this conversation that you and I had today, then I encourage them to react to, to that and reach out to me personally. I'm going to give you my personal and private email address, which is tr at trgarland.me, tr at trgarland.me, send me a message in the subject line, say Brett sent me, and then just share with me briefly what you um, connected with during this conversation today, you know, and what you believe you may need some support. And I may be able to steer you in a direction to maybe my private Facebook group. 
you know, or other things. So in other words, let's use today as the first in many conversations that you and I can have so that I can serve and support you. And um, with this being a Spotlight on Speaking podcast, I want to uh, reference the National Speaker Association. So one of my friends and clients was considered a world-class you know, Hall of Fame speaker in the National Speaker Association. His name is Dr. Tony Alessandra. Mm-hmm. Do you recognize the name, Brett? I have met him. And, yeah. and he taught sales and he said, um, in sales, just like in medicine, prescription without diagnosis is malpractice. And so I don't want to make an assumption that I know what the specific solution is to anyone of your audience's current uh, problems. So that's why I'm saying just email me, tr at trgarland.me. Let's start a friendly conversation. Um, you know, connect with me on Facebook, connect with me on LinkedIn, and allow me to understand where you're at today, where you want to be in the future, and if you believe there's some way that I can help you get there. All right. Well, thank you so much to my guest, T.R. Garner, for being with us today. As always, I encourage you, if you haven't yet, picked up a copy of my free special report, which is Three Key Things Entrepreneurs Must Master to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. You can get that at brettridgeway.com. And then I'm excited to announce that my new book will be coming out very shortly, How to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. And again, you you will be able to order that. In fact, you can pre-order it now at brettridgeway.com. But as always, I wish you the greatest success in all that you do, and may 2023 be your greatest year yet. Take care. This has been the Spotlight on Speaking Show with Brett Ridgway. Be sure to join us every week as we interview speaking industry pros and have them share their best tips for building a profitable speaking business. Until next week, thank you for tuning in. And remember to visit our website at SpotlightOnSpeaking.com so you can enjoy even more great episodes like this one. While you're here, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Spotlight on Speaking show. Until then, our sincere best wishes to you for the greatest of success as you work to build your own profitable speaking business.